The Accidental Entrepreneur is brought to you with the help of our sponsor, A. Weber, the world's leading small business email marketing and automation service provider. Since 1998, A. Weber has helped more than 1 million small businesses and entrepreneurs through its suite of web-based email marketing, automation tools, and education. A. Weber, the best option when it comes to marketing your business. The podcast is also brought to you by the Alternative Board. Since 1989, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has been one of the leading peer advisory and business coaching organizations for independent business owners and CEOs across the world. By facilitating peer advisory boards, private one-on-one coaching, and strategic planning services, TAB helps business owners improve their businesses in ways that change their lives. And be sure to check out our affiliate sponsor, One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the avid podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. So I looked for particular types of projects, right? Number one, things that had hard assets, I really liked. Okay. So real estate real projects. Estate. Yeah, real estate projects. Generally, what would happen is someone would come to me if they have an idea, but they don't have all of the pieces or they don't have all of the relationships to make it work and they needed me to, to come up with an out-of-the-box solution. Okay. I understand. Um, and th- and when, I, when I rebuilt the third time, I actually stuck with the same model and built other ideas or ideations around it just keeping things give, in your name keeping things in my name this time <laughs> but to give you an idea of of, of of the kind of thing that i i did sort of later when we kind of kept it more pay me a retainer and give me a, uh give me a fees yeah was there's a guy called andy and we had a we had a referral partner that would bring us clients it was a, a financial advisor in in kent okay and andy had a, a scaffolding business yeah he had um an investment property. He had his primary residence, but he had no experience as a real estate developer, but he came upon an opportunity to buy a piece of land and to develop this piece of land out. And he was pretty sure he could make some money on this, but the bank wouldn't give him any money because he he had no credibility. He he had no credibility. Right. So Tony brings Andy along to me. um, And this is what I did. This is the kind of, this, this example always gives like a, a flavor of how I would solve problems. Good, perfect. So the first thing that we did was we got a bridge loan to purchase the land. Okay. We cross-collateralized the equity in his investment property to cover for the deposit. So we got that that money down. Yes, in his investment property. Okay. I then got a development lender to, ah, we had one more piece as well. There was a shortfall. I got an asset loan on the metal in his scaffolding business to plug the last piece of the gap. uh, Like like a loan on on, it? Inventory is not the right word. On equipment, basically. Yes, that was an equipment, equipment. loan. It's, yeah, it's right. basically like equipment loan. So okay. I got those pieces. And then I had, um, there's a, a particular, there's a couple of lenders in the UK that will give you development funding so long as you own the site. They'll give you 70% of the GDP, of the gross de- uh, finished value of the development, yeah. so long as you own the land. And right, so the construction loan. Right, yeah, sure. So we got him a construction loan. So right. we got him the whole deal, no money down apart from the fees that he paid me and then i got kickbacks on the asset loan i got kickback on the bridge loan i got kickback oh, you on made the money on the finance, deals right i got kickback on everything all right hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast uh always another great guest you're going to meet daniel in a minute um he is a 
successful entrepreneur, as always, a best-selling author, and uh, a buddy of mine who's a podcast host. So I always love having guys on who are podcast hosts. So we live in the same world. Um, if you are listening on your favorite directory, be sure to leave us a five-star review if you can. You can't do it on all the directories, but wherever you're listening, hopefully you can. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to subscribe, hit the like button, ring some bells and whistles, whatever it takes to uh, support the podcast so we can keep bringing uh, great guests like we have today. So let's get on with the show. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hey, I'm Daniel Mangena, speaker, author, entrepreneur, podcaster. Really excited to spend some time with Mitch today talking about alignment, about money, DNA, and overall how you can live a more abundant, joyful, purpose-driven life. All right. So, Daniel, uh, thanks for your patience as you help me not have to edit my videos so we can play that while we're talking. <laughs> and, Daniel, your last name's Mang- Mangena? Yes, it's Mangena, yep. Again, I got it. Okay, cool. So um, I appreciate you coming on. I can't for the life of me figure out how we connected. Maybe through a booking agency. Maybe, yeah, something like that. Yeah, maybe. Um, But you got a great background and everything. So maybe we can start with, you know, your background in entrepreneurship because I know you have a lot of success, especially Mm -hmm. when you were young and you kind of evolved into what you're doing now to share you know, to help other people like, like I'm doing and everybody's doing. So maybe you can go back with that type of stuff. Sure thing. And I'd, I'd also like to, to caveat that a lot of success and also a lot of failure, which <laughs> yeah, is well, supposed to be able to help other, other people. Other, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was watching a clip uh, yesterday. I think it was Neil Donald Walsh that basically said, you can't have the things that you don't want in the space of the things that you do want or the things that you do want couldn't be there because everything has to be in balance. And right. So, I agree we can't with that have 100%. success without failure. Yeah, can't because okay, you don't learn. You know, even if you succeed to start, you're just waiting for something to go wrong because you're not learning anything. Mm-hmm. You learn more from the the failures. It's just, yeah, yeah you're right. It's a yin and yang and the whole Agreed. type of thing. Agreed. But yeah, um, I've actually always pretty much been an entrepreneur. I remember I was the the, the, the car washing kid. I was the breakfast in yeah. bed kid. I was, when we're going on holiday, going to the flea market and see what I can bring back to, to sell for a profit kid. I had a tuck shop at high school kid, um, didn't finish university, did a year and went off to go and start a business kid. And um, yeah, unfortunately, I didn't have any small failures on that journey. It was kind of like all the way, all the way to all the way to millionaire and then lost it. And then rebounded. Really? You got all the way up there? All the way up without any real knockbacks. And then lost it. And then lost it. Um, That was when I was 19, 20. Okay. Then, what, what was the business? Was it just multiple things or? Yeah, multiple things. I kind of basically had a little conglomerate. I was importing okay. and exporting. I discovered trade finance. 
back then, okay. which ended up being the backbone to the consulting that I did after that, really up until today. And okay. use trade finance to do like, um, oh, like shipping containers of orange juice and, and containers of wow. coffee beans and stuff. And how old are you at this point? 1920. Oh, you're young. And where were you? Were you in the States or were you? No, I was in London, born and raised in East London. Yeah, born and raised in East London. Um, Unfortunately, didn't have any of the licenses that I needed for 90% of the business activities. So that was quickly (laughs) seized and gone. Uh, But I was unfazed. I was unfazed by that. that, And uh, doggedly went off and and sort of created again. And within about a year and a half, I was a millionaire again. But the second time, everything got stolen. Because I tried to be clever and put everything in different people's names. Because well, oh, I'm going to put it to avoid things. right tax planning. Yeah. Let's call all it right. Things. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that all got stolen. So that took me to quite a big hit, Mitch. Right. Because um, up until that time, I'd quite arrogantly believed that I knew everything. Because right. I hadn't well, had you're 19. Hits. When you're 19, yeah. you believe you know. <laughs> no question I about I was it. invincible, right? Right. And so um, you know, having starkly to face a second big loss. Um, didn't really do very well with it, ended up in a very, very dark place. And yeah. climbing out of that over the years to come is kind of what became the foundation for what I'm able to share with people now. Because a lot of the personal development stuff that supported me in creating that early success, I mean, I was reading books like Think and Grow Rich when I was 16 years sure. old. Yeah. I had Psycho-Cybernetics when I was 17. I was yeah. reading like Joe Carbo, um, uh, Wallace D. Wattles and stuff as a teenager. And that all supported right. creating. But you know, as well as I do, the theory doesn't matter as much as the practical experience. And you're not going to get that on your own. And unfortunately you can get all motivated and stuff until you really do it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I think a lot of people, hopefully they, they work with you. They listen to you. They listen to me and all these things that go on and they make the smaller mistakes. Mm -hmm. You're always going to make mistakes, right? You can't avoid Mm -hmm. them all, but Mm -hmm. yeah, the big ones can, you really, you know, some people don't bounce back, right? Mm -hmm. I I go to a dark place. They don't come out of that dark Mm -hmm. place. Mm Mm-hmm. But so that was what, like mid twenties by then? Uh, yeah, it was mid twenties by then, about twenty three, I think. By the time I'd lost everything the second time, twenty three, twenty four, and then yeah. it took me. Uh, I want to say it took me three or four years to really get out of a funky place, um, and then uh, yeah, it's been kind of plain sailing since then, as far as plain sailing can go in the life of an entrepreneur. But certainly, right. the lessons from those hits have been a big part of my journey. And staying on track going forward, right? And it wasn't like you could go and with your degree and go get a job. You said you did <laughs> university. No, although right? I did, I did do another year of the degree remote okay. learning, uh, and then I was like, "Screw this! I'm not going to go and get a job. Let me go and get yeah. some, get paid." Yeah, the irony—that's the irony of life. There's, like, there's no connection between success and education. Like some mm-hmm. people are educated, very successful. Some mm-hmm. people are not very successful, and the opposite's true too. People go to university, they get all these degrees, and they amount mm-hmm. to nothing. What no, do they no, say? In our opinion. The people that are A players at university and education end up working for the people that are like B, C, and D players because they're the mavericks that actually go and build the build industry, right? So, right, exactly. It's not. It's just a different personality, yeah, right? Different. Exactly. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm definitely yeah. one that does. I, I'm really against job shaming. I think it's important that we understand that not everybody's built to be an entrepreneur, right? And some people are calling themselves entrepreneur and actually just self-employed. And I think it's important to recognize the role that we all play in creating value as value creators, as the head of an industry, of the creative industry, or as a supporter of an industry. And I think it's also important that we as entrepreneurs really honor, respect, and really give credit and value to the people that support us being able to bring our dreams to life. Yeah, big time. I, I think that I think that's very telling statement, and I think it's, it's good. And I also think that business owners need to be, like you said, kind of honest with themselves. Like, there's plenty of people I meet, and maybe they shouldn't be in business for themselves. <laughs> 
partner. <laughs> they shouldn't be doing it on their own. You know, everybody thinks exactly. nowadays it's like this rush to become an entrepreneur and, mm. you know, to, to build your own business. And look, a lot of it's from the pandemic, right? We mm. learned that we should have you know, our quality of life should be different than just commuting mm-hmm. every day. And mm-hmm. especially, I don't know what it's like in, in the UK, but in the States, as opposed to a, a good portion of Europe, we, we don't work to live. We live to work. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people woke up and during the pandemic said, what am I doing? You know, mm-hmm. but having said that, you're right. There's people that should be working for other people yeah. and they're very good at it. And they're good mm-hmm. support people. And they, they follow what they're supposed to be doing. And there's people that can run the companies, um, and even look, even if you're an entrepreneur, as your business grows, I'm sure you're going to share stories. Sometimes you grew out of that. And maybe you're not the right guy to run your company anymore and you got to find the right <laughs> skills. But some of that comes with being honest with yourself, right? Agreed. Yeah, I think it's yeah. important. And and that honesty, I think, will always lead to more success in the long run and also more fulfillment because yeah. um, I've met far too many people that thought that the road that they were on was the road that they were going to be on or that they were supposed to be on. And yeah. actually, when given the cold light of reflection, like times of being locked in your house during the pandemic, or yeah. when something happens to you, like a health issue or a loved one, then you see the reality of the fact that, oh, maybe I'm not really living in alignment with my truth. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So what were, so what did you do? So you lost, you, you went, basically rebuilt the same business, right? And no, then made some business. Actually, I went into, yeah, I went into what I did next time was, so the, the, the way that it happened was. The second million though, was basically the same business you just made. Not, sort of, Oh, it was nope, totally completely different, different. Completely different. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was really in fear factor about not having my paperwork together. So I, I stayed away <laughs> from anything that needed any kind of licensing. Now what ended up happening was someone came along and, um, it was a mate of mine and he's, he, he had this idea and he said, look, I need to pick your brain. I'll pay you a thousand pounds to pick your brain for an hour. Okay. I said, okay. That's a lot. That's, that's yeah. more than I charge. I was like, Okay. Yeah, And so he came, he paid me the money, I helped him with his idea. His idea went on to make him a couple hundred grand or something stupid like that. I can't remember what, what Mish did. But then I realized, hang on a minute, people will pay me for my brain. Yeah. And Big so time. what I started doing from there was finding other people that would pay me for, for my brain. But I, didn't try to get paid by, but I didn't try to get paid by the hour, Mitch. That's didn't, not what I tried to do because right. that's a job. Instead, yeah. I looked for people that would give me a stake in their business or a stake in their project in exchange for my brain. Okay. So I used my problem-solving capital um, to go into different businesses and take an equity slice or to go into projects and take an equity slice, and that's how I made my next millions. So you built like a little portfolio out of it? Yeah. I bought stakes in different okay. businesses, and, um, and that's what I did next. And that worked pretty well. Um, but yeah, I um, tried to be clever and put things in other names and, you know. Right. You, so, you but, but you also had to be, you know, I guess strategic. Look, I get as a business attorney, yeah. everybody says that, Mitch, would you be our lawyer? And instead yeah. of us paying you, we'll give you a piece of the company. Yeah. And a lot of these things don't amount to much. So mm-hmm. what was the success rate in terms of, um, you know, that turning into something for you? Mm-hmm. So I looked for particular types of projects, right? Number one, things that had hard assets, I really liked. Okay. So real estate, estate projects, yeah, real estate projects. Generally, what would happen is someone would come to me if they have an idea, but they don't have all of the pieces or they don't have all of the relationships to make it work. And they needed me to, to come up with an out-of-the-box solution. Okay. I understand. Um, and th- and when, I, when I rebuilt the third time, I actually stuck with the same model and built other ideas or ideations around it. Just keeping things give, in your name. 
keeping things in my name this time, but to give you an idea of, 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 of the kind of thing that I, that I did sort of later when we kind of kept it more, pay me a retainer and give me a, uh, give me a fees. Yeah. Was there's a guy called Andy and we had a, we had a referral partner that would bring us clients. It was a, a financial advisor in, in Kent. Okay. And Andy had a, a scaffolding business. Yeah. He had, um, an investment property. He had his primary residence, but he had no experience as a real estate developer, but he came upon an opportunity to buy a piece of land and to develop this piece of land out. And he was pretty sure he could make some money on this, but the okay. bank wouldn't give him any money because he, he had no credibility. No, he had no credibility. Right. So Tony brings Andy along to me. Um, and this is what I did. This is the kind of, this, the, this example always gives like a, a flavor of how I would solve problems. Good. Perfect. So the first thing that we did was we got a bridge loan to purchase the land. Okay. We cross collateralized the equity in his investment property to cover for the deposit. So we got that, that he already had. down. Yes. In his investment property. Okay. I then got a development lender to, ah, oh, we had one more piece as well. There was a shortfall. I got an asset loan on the metal in his scaffolding business. To plug the last so piece of like, the gap, uh, like like a loan on on um, inventory is not the right word on equipment, basically. Yes, that was an equipment, equipment. loan. It's, yeah, it's right. basic like equipment loan. So okay. I got those pieces, and then I had um, there's a, a particular there's a couple of lenders in the UK that will give you development funding so long as you own the site. They'll give you seventy percent of the GDP of the gross de- uh, finished value of the development, yeah. so long as you own the land. And right, so the construction loan. Right, yeah, sure. So we got a construction loan. So right. we got him the whole deal no money down apart from the fees that he paid me. And then I got kickbacks on the asset loan. I got kickback on the bridge loan. I got kickback oh, you on made the, money on the, the finance. Deals, right? I got kickback on everything. So yeah. yeah, that's the kind of thing that I did when we moved into the third iteration of, of consulting. Um, but yeah, that's the kind of stuff I was doing. So we'd have people like, I remember there was this one guy, he was an ex NBA player and he had, um, he had a project that he wanted to do mm-hmm. a couple of million but he, yeah. he, he didn't really have that much asset-wise. He had a real estate portfolio, but he had some shares that were, I think they were called pink slip shares. So they didn't yeah. have a final market value because they were- Right. Pink slips market. are like not traded on the markets. They're, yes. They're the, the I was able, stock, basically. Exactly. But we're able yeah. to insurance wrap the stock the, the oh, stock, and then got a loan against that. That yeah. got them off the ground. And then I got a, a piece of the project for making that work. Yeah. No. So most that creative financing people don't understand at all. (laughs) No, there's, there's always a way to do a deal because you, you recognize the asset and what you can collateralize and Mm -hmm. who will do this and you got to pay more for this, but you can get it and this and that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, those are, those are, those are skills that people do not have. They don't, you know, I want to do this. Well, I would say, look, there's a way (laughs) figure it out. All these different parts. I guess once you learned what he had and what his situation was, you can be creative about it. And sometimes I'm not the person to find the way, but you know, when I yeah. can find the way, then you know, we, we, we see what we can do. Now, this was still, you're still young at this point, right? Yeah. So where did you get the experience to, I mean, how'd you figure all this stuff out? You weren't in banking, you weren't in finance. I wasn't in banking, I wasn't in banking but I was in problem solving. And so basically what happened is I found out when I was 27 years old that I had Asperger's. So I didn't actually know that I was on the autistic spectrum. So my right. brain works a little bit like a computer, but I didn't know that that's right. the skill that I had. But that yeah. skill was coming out sort of accidentally from an early right. age. Yeah, because yeah, then you get really focused on one particular thing, and then yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, you know, superpower, right? There we go. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, so so that's what you started doing. You started building that consulting business, and yeah, you were getting more fees then as opposed to taking pieces yeah. of business. Yeah, since since we got back in the saddle with that, I got that business. 
going really, really well. We started to do more mainstream stuff, um, mortgages and remortgages. We found pipelines of clients for those. We had um, since about 2000 and I want to say 16, we partnered up with a really great company down in the south of Spain. They were getting ex-repossessed bank properties and we we're doing deals with them and helping people build build out portfolios in Europe with little to no money down and just really yeah. cool, fun stuff like that. A lot of it was creative real estate financing, construction. Yeah, I mean, bit, it, it was a bit easier um, on yeah. the Spanish side, especially when it's repossessed because it's so far below market value. Uh, we can yeah. go in and do, and do pretty decent deals. Not as much now, but um, I was speaking to Felix a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the way that the markets are going now and the economy is going right now, we, we should be seeing, you know, exciting deals uh, coming up in the next couple of years again. In, in where are you? In, in, in Spain? Yeah, different, in, in different parts of Europe. Yeah. So you're doing business all over the all over in the yeah, we, we look for where the, where the dollars the euros and the pound notes are and we see if we can't exchange some value right right yeah well there's another arbitrage there right between yeah. the, the currencies mm-hmm. yeah very mm-hmm. very good so so that's what you kind of stuck with this whole time well I, up until february 2018 when i actually took a break from all of this and went really deep into sharing my life story and sharing what really saved my life you know coming out mm-hmm. of the darkness and i did that exclusively for i want to say about a year and a half, two years, quite exclusively. Um, and then I had no intention of making a business out of it. I kind of walked away from what I was doing before, quite intent on just sort of showing the work that I was doing. And then I had a conversation with a friend of mine who just had a very, very tasty nine-figure exit. And he came to an event that I was hosting in California. And uh, he was dropping me somewhere afterwards. And he said, Dan, you know, if you kind of opened up the doors and allowed the abundance to come in, you could probably help a lot more people. I was like, oh, yeah. Because up until that time, people wanted me to coach them. and Right, oh, right. I don't right, want to be a coach. I don't want to do right, that right, stuff. Right, right, right. Just kind of enjoying sharing the work. But I opened up the doors. We got that business to six figures in four and a half months. That's now been doing seven figures a year since 2020, um, that personal development business. Um, and one of the so a lot of it's individual people, coaching versus group stuff or no? More one-to-many, one-to-many. We've got yeah. some services that we do mainly around um, work I do with Money DNA. I do VIP days, VIP weekends, which is like mastermind type of things. Yeah, some mastermindy stuff. We did a a couple of years. We did a mastermind. We haven't got a mastermind at the moment. We're planning on maybe doing one next year. Okay. Um, And now we're doing kind of a lot of, um, like I said, one to many and and, um, more group, higher ticket group stuff. And then we've Mm -hmm. got got a a membership program, which is just a hundred bucks a month. So all the kind of little programs I've done over the years, we put them in there. Yeah, subscriptions, I like that. So so people can get hold of it. So, I'm so not, you do a lot of in person now still? Yeah, I mean, traveling now or not? Is my life it's virtual? Do you know, I want to say 2018, 19, and the first little bit of 2020, yes. Pandemic comes along. Right. Obviously not. Right. Um, about halfway through the pandemic, Mexico was a lot more open. So since 2021-ish, we've been doing stuff in Mexico in person. Okay. Um which has been great. You know, we rent the hotel out, you know, come down, we get a room block, people come in and do the thing. These are Mexican business owners, people? Oh, no, people coming in from all over the world. Oh, it's just that it's more open there and easier yeah. to get to yeah. what, like one of the resort cities or something? Yeah, and, and because, I mean, most countries, they were closed down. Like, you couldn't go yeah. to the hotel because the hotel right. was forced to stay closed. Whereas, you know, down in Cabo, where I've been since 2018, right. um, it, was, it was open. And so we, we yeah. could do that. Um, but this year, I mean... I'm really kind of coming more back to my entrepreneurial roots. The, the personal development business really runs itself. I've got a team of coaches that do the one-to-one coaching. They do the group coaching. We've got a lot of stuff automated now with the, with the online programs and stuff. That business ticks away. 
Um, so what did you do you, from a business planning standpoint? You developed a methodology, right? And yes. then you created like training manuals and materials and processes. Yeah, my head coach, Leah, actually helped me develop that. And so, yeah. you know, we've got a team of coaches that deliver those. We're thinking about maybe doing some kind of certification. I might do that. I'm not really sure how I feel yeah. about it. I'm kind of sitting with that. Uh, but we're definitely training them even in terms of the virtual events that we have been doing, which is the train of thought that I lost virtual became easier. So I kind of enjoy the virtual now. Well, you also access other people that can't necessarily travel and they can learn from you and bigger audience, broader group. And technology is great now. You know, there's some great things. I mean, Dubai right now, there's some great, great technology you can do now with studios. We can even see the people like big chunks of people online and stuff. I know. And there's great technological support. So I'm going to continue doing that. We'll see. I, we've got one um, sold out retreat that we've got for the back end of this year in October. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a private retreat for people that have been to our work before. Other than that, I don't really have much plan that I'm going to be doing this year. Um, potentially working on another book, you know, in talks with a, a quite big publisher um, to do another book. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of leaning back into entrepreneurship a little bit more now. I've been doing more stuff with the real estate, um, mm-hmm. working on a, a project. Uh, my family's got a gold brokerage business that does very well. I've been gold, like on. gold. Yeah, physical gold, precious metal. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the, the the whole premise behind that business is if you're a small scale miner or an aggregator in you know a developing country, okay, you can either try and convince people to come to your country to give you cash, which they're probably not because they're scared. Nobody wants to go to the jungles of Guinea and hope right. they're going to get out with their right. cash, the bag right? of cash through the jungle, right? <laughs> right. Or, or you, you bring it to us here in Dubai and um, we'll meet you at the airport with a secure courier. We'll take you directly to a refinery. We'll get it refined out. We'll get you paid within three days and you can leave with your money in a bag or in a wire transfer. Um, and it's very, very wow. clean. We take a cut for that. So, um, yeah, that's very, Why very clean. Why do people want to do that, Daniel? Uh, because they want to invest in gold? No, they want to they get rid of their gold, but they want somewhere safe to do it. So many times people have been told, uh, oh, bring, I mean, I've seen this in the past as well. People that have come yeah. to us, like my cousin lived in, like we had one guy from the um, from Tanzania and he had, you know, he had a little mining operation. He's producing, you know, five, six kilos every month of, of gold. And his cousin told him to come to London and said, oh yeah, come to London with the gold and I'll take you somewhere to sell it. They were going, the, his cousin didn't have anywhere. He was just trying to chance it and go into like gold dealers on the street and say, will you buy my gold? And I was like, I'm not going to, just buy your gold. Like, what is this? You know, don't do that, right? It's just like, it's ridiculous. Just nuggets, yeah. not even refined, not even in Right. Cars. They don't so, even, yeah. Yeah. So, but you bring it to us, we'll take care. We'll right. take it's not like 1826 and you got, yeah. <laughs> like, I have gold. You have, do you have exactly. pounds? <laughs> like, right. does it, does it really work? Yeah. So we do that. And, uh, and we're working on, we've just literally finished putting the finishing touches to a gold acquisition service now where we're bringing the other piece of the puzzle to people who want gold and buy gold, right? Invest in gold. But you don't want to go to the jungle. You give us a letter of credit against the security of your letter of credit. We'll go out to the to jungles where we've got relationships. We'll buy the gold. We'll bring it to Dubai. We'll refine it. And you can come up, pick up refined gold bars in Dubai. So, uh, we literally, so you literally we'll take possession of the gold. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do everything. And then you just How do you and travel with that. What do you, what do you just walk with a suitcase? that goes through. <laughs> Normally, oh, there's <laughs> gold bars. Now we don't care. But, uh, there's couriers like Brinks, Matt, and G4S. Uh, there's and they, a couple they'll of take couriers. it for you. They'll, they'll ship it for you. So are you in Dubai now? I'm in Dubai right now, yeah. So that's where you run most of your businesses, from there? Uh, not really. I mean, this one runs from here. I can do meetings and stuff from here. Uh, if I need to pop somewhere, this is a lot more central. So I'm here probably for another month or so, and then I've got some bits to do around Europe. So, so where is your residence? I have residency. I've got residency permit for here. Obviously, yeah. a UK citizen, British passport right. holder. And I've also got permanent residency in Mexico. So. Oh boy, you're all over the place. Yeah.
Yeah. I hear Dubai is a crazy city. Like it's the, fun. The, the wealth it's fun. and the buildings. I've been coming here twenty years. I've been the first time I came here. They were still making the palm. I actually saw them. Yeah, there was nothing out. there, right? There. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was wild. But yeah. right, those islands, the underwater ones. Yeah, the, yeah. It's crazy stuff. Yeah, I got to get there someday. All right. So um, yeah, so you're a real entrepreneur. You got all kinds of things going on. I, yeah. I I wanted to make a comment before. What was it? Oh. I think that a lot of people that have personal service businesses, right, where they're mm-hmm. consultants or they're advisors or whatever, I don't think that they see, hey, I could equip this business so it can be actually a business and not just me. Mm-hmm. And you obviously saw that very early on and probably worked very hard to build out the system so you don't have to be the guy, mm-hmm. right, who has to go to every event and talk to everybody. And, you know, you're on the video screen and everybody wants to see Tony, everybody wants to see Tony Robbins, but very few people get to, to work oh, with him. Got, you know? got the million. But, you know, the th- I think the yeah. difference between me and maybe a lot of people that have done that is, especially with consultants, normally, if you think about it, consultants normally have come from the professional arena and then right. they look to leverage their skills and experience into consulting. Right. Or they come from like a public service job, or whatever, and then they go and work and do some consulting. Very right. few people come at it as an entrepreneur. I didn't come wanting to be a coach or a consultant. Right. I was an entrepreneur that this was, uh, and initially it was a way for me to get paid. Right. And so I took entrepreneurial experience and entrepreneurial skills and used this as a medium to exchange value to create my, my money versus I have a job mentality. Let right. me make a new job with that same mentality. Well, that's what I think it is. It's a mentality. Mm-hmm. If I'm yeah. coming out of corporate for 40 years, I have a lot of experience, but I can take that experience and create intellectual capital exactly. and property and mm-hmm. use that and start people working. People have mm-hmm. done it. It just doesn't mm-hmm. happen very often. And these guys end up, what do you do in 20 years if you're now a consultant solo? <laughs> There's well, no exit strategy, right? And, and, and that's, that's, and that's you know, when we work with, when I'm working with people, especially people that, you know, they do come and do like a VIP day or VIP weekend with me and we're remapping their business and, you know, getting them to where they want to go. For me, the next level of your business always includes you on the business and not in the business. Always. Right. Because then you're just and, an employee, like you said yeah, before. Yeah, just an employee, like self-employed. Yeah. And also, what's the exit strategy? Some people really enjoy what they do. I enjoy the entrepreneurial exploits that I do. Uh, but I've set myself up so that in terms of my living needs, I have enough passive income that if I didn't want to do anything, I wouldn't have right. the same standard of life. No, but it's choice and freedom, right? But I could I could live a decent life. And so yeah. I think that's an important part of the way that I like to approach working with people. It's really understanding you are just an employee unless you have something you can take a break from. So how can yeah. we set this up that we can take a break from it? And B, what's the exit strategy for it? Do you want to be doing this forever? Does it have an exit? And if it doesn't have an exit, are you okay with that? Or do we need to start looking at an exit strategy that doesn't include this business, whether it's building a real estate portfolio, investing in other companies, um, right. you know, getting assets that are going to be able to generate income on the side that can build up. Um, yeah. I think that's really, really important. Yeah, I have the same problem. Look, as a lawyer, even ethically, I can't just like – have people doing work for me unless they're lawyers. They have mm-hmm. to be licensed. And, you know, mm-hmm. some of the stuff they do and some people work with me. Mm-hmm. And I used to have a bigger firm and I mm-hmm. said, I didn't want to do this. And I don't want another employee in my life, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I, but I deal with that challenge. I'm building the firm and deciding, okay, well, where do I go from here? How do I get to the point, like you said, where I can be less hands-on, mm-hmm. um, you know? And, and I also have problems like, you know, you can only practice where you're admitted, Right. Mm -hmm. So I do federal, I do a lot of federal tax strategies and tax planning Mm -hmm. Um, that I can do all over as long as they have local counsel. But for the most part, it's, you know, it's the one profession where you, so I would deal with that issue. Attorneys do that. They build a practice. What do they do? Mm -hmm. Now they're 90 years old. They got all these clients and they can't just, (laughs) you know, so you got to kind of keep that in mind. But why don't Mm -hmm. we do this? Cause I'd love to get into 
you know, advice for people and the things that you teach, you know, sure. without giving away the, the farm, but um, you know, happy to give away the farm like that. Yeah. There's no, yeah. there's nothing that's going to affect you. Right. So yeah. let's take a commercial break. It's like two minutes sure. and then we'll come back so we can uh, give some props to the people that are paying me. So hundred percent. All right. Sounds good. Right. Here's a word from our sponsors looking to market and grow your business, or perhaps you're just getting started and want to hit the ground running. AWeber is the best choice for online email marketing and automation of your business. From maintaining a subscriber list to drip campaigns and landing pages, AWeber gives you tools and integrations that make marketing easy and fun. As our partner and sponsor, we use all their tools to promote the podcast and market our law firm. AWeber, the best alternative for online marketing. For over 30 years, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has built a thriving community of forward-thinking CEOs and business owners who want to radically improve their companies. Through unique combinations of one-on-one business coaching, participation in monthly TAB board meetings with other non-competing owners, a suite of strategic tools, and customized strategic planning workshops, TAB membership can deliver greater strength to your business and a better work-life balance for you and your family. All packaged in a streamlined and affordable service that the people at TAB invite you to try risk-free. Maybe you're looking to get into podcasting or you just want to market your business. Maybe you want to do it for enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets. And be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit created especially for our listeners. Follow the link in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. I I think it's great that with technology and everything that we can do this, you know, connect where you're on the other side of the world from me and we're talking, we're putting out Mm -hmm. this content because I think it expands people's understanding of what can be done and what they can do with their business. A lot of people I know locally, uh, you know, we live in our little fiefdoms and our little, little worlds. And they don't think of like, I I guess maybe in Europe, it's a little bit different, right? Because you're more of a global, I mean, there's in the United States, it's the United States, right? You stay where you are. Maybe you do business in some other States. Maybe you don't, you do need licenses. Sometimes you got to be filed in those States, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's not usually multi, you know, um, multi countries and maybe it's Canada, maybe Mexico, but we got some water in between you and me. So I think that people see, Hey, you can do this in Dubai and UK and you know, you're doing business in Spain. Now, was it, was it difficult? Like, do you speak Spanish? It's yeah. Spanish. Well, I did Spanish in high school, so I had a rudimentary grasp on it. And, um, I've always had Spanish-speaking friends close to me, actually. One of my best friends, Pablo, that I played music with, he's Nicaraguan. Um, In my third iteration of the consulting company, Alex, one of my consultants, was Colombian, so I got to speak with him. And so, yeah, coming out to to Mexico, I had a grasp. Um, I was thrown in the thick of it when I first moved to Mexico. I was living in a part of Mexico where there weren't many English speakers, and so I really had to be on my P's and Q's. Um, but, you know, Cabo's a lot easier because a lot of people speak English. Or right, because it's more of a English. resort community. Yeah. yeah. It's more of a well, what about in Spain, though? You said you were doing real estate work, right? Yeah. Wasn't all the stuff in Spanish? Some, like- yeah, but Felix is fluent, my partner. Oh, so you fluent. had him as your partner, yeah, right? so Felix is fluent. And um, yeah. 
Um, Southern Spain has got quite a large expat community from the UK. And so there is provision enough to get by. You can get by if you don't speak Spanish, to be honest. Yeah, because I, I have some clients that have said to me, we're doing, let's say, a deal. And they said, oh, the, the guy's putting up collateral. Let's say it's a private mortgage or mm-hmm. a lending deal, right? The guy's putting up collateral. He's got, he's got property in, in Italy. What do you yeah. think of this? I go, I don't even know if this is real. It's, it's, <laughs> it's Italian. You better get and, – and it turned out it was fake. It yeah. wasn't fake. It was like an old deed. And it oh, had wow. been transferred several times oh, wow. to other people. Well, I had to get, you know, you get to call a title company. They don't know Italian. So I had to find an yeah. attorney and get it translated and the whole thing. And it's, it could be crazy dealing with, uh, you know, well, other that's, languages. That's important. I mean, much to your point there, which is really important to have local intelligence, right? Really, yeah. really important to have local intelligence. Uh, I think far too often people jump opportunities and don't take the advice of others. We were speaking before about failures. I think one of the greatest gifts that came to me after losing everything, building up this time around, I think one of the things that's kept me without having to need a big failure of my own is because I'm so diligent now. I've learned humility and learning from the mistakes of others, whether that's remotely, like people can learn from my mistakes, listen to this podcast, be like, hey, let me make sure before I go into this enterprise that I know what the local landscape is and what the legal requirements are so I can have my paperwork together so it doesn't get taken right? Yep. Uh, let me get a lawyer to make sure that any paperwork that I do have where something's in trust with someone else is taken care of. And that's locked tight. So people right. don't have to have that big loss. Let me make sure if I'm doing business in another country, I, I understand whether the deed is real or not. Yeah, because so you don't can, know what you don't know. Exactly. Um, yeah. I think that's a really important lesson for not just in entrepreneurship, but in life. In life. Local intelligence. Be open to listen. One of the Biggest, biggest, biggest things for me now is investing in personal development, investing in mentorship. You're for yourself, you mean? For me, yeah, 100%. Yeah, of course. I spend six figures a year, multiple six figures a year. Yeah, all the guys that do what you do always invest more in personal development <laughs> than anybody that I know. It's, but, I, but, you know, the path that I've gone on and, you know, the hits I've taken that have come from really not having that, it's really encouraged me to see that that's been a big part of my growth uh, and, yeah. and, and thriving, really. Yeah, ultimately your success. All right, good. So um, I'm excited. So let's talk about the stuff you're doing now, yeah. you know, the things you see that people do wrong or right mm-hmm. and all the advice you give and how you do bring uh, – because we're really talking about abundance today, right? Yeah. And the, the, the whole um, – what's the word? Um, I believe in like positive – yeah. energy and you know mm-hmm. attraction right that's the mm-hmm. word i'm mm-hmm. thinking of right yeah. you you attract negative things you're worried about stuff you track them anyway exactly you want to keep exactly. away you track it so how do you do the whole abundance thing so i'll let you take it over from there well i think for me so when i define abundance what i'm really talking about is um the idea that we move through different stages in our life in terms of our resources mentally physically and emotionally that's not just money that's your energy your right. time no. your life force your health right. vitality And so I believe the bottom of that is um, scarcity. I don't have the mental, physical, and emotional capacity to live life on my own terms. That could mean that I'm making a lot of money, but it's costing me burnout. It's costing me relationships. It's costing me time. I've got all the money in the bank, but I've got no time to enjoy it. I've got no quality of life to enjoy it with. Right, right. Then we move into stability, where my needs are met by my resources mentally, physically, and emotionally, but it requires an exchange of time and energy in order to do so. So that could mean that my incomings meet my outgoings. I've got enough time to do my hobbies and so on and so forth, but only if I keep working. Right. Once the system stops, you're in trouble. Then then you're in trouble. Right. Uh, Which is what a lot of quote unquote entrepreneurs have. Yeah, that's a lot of of our life. Yeah. Lifestyle, right? Yeah. Then we move into freedom where I've got that same ability, but it doesn't require my time and energy in order to, to do so. So that could mean that your business operates mostly by itself. Uh, you still need to be on top of 
finger on the button, even if you are completely passive, you should still be checking your financial statements. You still right. You can't just walk away and close your eyes. Right. That's ridiculous. The worst things happen. Definitely worst thing to do. Um, And then we move on to abundance, which is where my needs are met, but there's also overflow without me so that I can be of contribution without thinking about my needs not being met. So that could mean that if I want to dedicate some time to my favorite charity or to spend time with the kids or with family members, I can do that without worrying about whether my things are going to be taken care of. If I want to give my energy or life force to help a friend or to help someone in need, I can do so without wondering if I'm going to have enough energy for myself too. So abundance for me, it's having sufficient overflow in my time, my energy, my resources, mentally, physically, and emotionally for me to be of contribution to others without thinking about my own needs being met. Right. I find when you give back, it's like a pay it forward type of thing. You get back. It's just the way it is. I think people that don't do that are short-sighted. They just don't get it. Yeah, yeah, the more you give, the more you get back. The more you get. And I think yeah. that's one of the fastest ways forward as well. And even when you look at business and entrepreneurship, if everyone that's got big enough, you go and look at the top list, the top richest people in the world, even if you don't like them, they are that rich because they've given away enough in value to others yeah. that they can receive back monetarily. Right. Right. Walmart revolutionized the way that we do grocery shopping. Um, uh, Microsoft revolutionized the way that we, we use computers. Um, people like um, Warren Buffett have done that on a micro scale across multiple companies, right. growing the value within those companies, creating jobs, contributing yeah. to local economies and so on and so forth. They've all done that. And yeah. that's, how we, that's how we win. I think you win by pouring into others with value. And the people that win and sleep well at night are the ones that pour more out in value than they're expecting back monetarily. Okay. So, how, so I'm listening, right? I'm an entrepreneur. Maybe I'm, like you said, like a lot of people, you're just paying your bills. Mm -hmm. And if it stops tomorrow, like you can't Mm -hmm. work, Mm -hmm. you don't have a lot of runway. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you get started? I'm mentally, I guess it's important, but yeah, I think one of the things I always encourage people to do first and foremost is start to look at where can I trim off time and energy that's going into things that aren't even doing anything anyway. So what I mean by that is do an audit of your, your activities, track your activities for a week and ask yourself time management. We're talking not even time management. Just look at your activities and ask yourself, which of these activities are actually contributing to the goals that I have for my business? Are right, they, which is just a waste of your time. What's a waste of my time? Like what's, yeah. what's increasing my sales or may bring it in the sales, right? Right. What's supporting the delivery of, of services or products to my clients? What's going to empower me to be able to improve and stay ahead of the game? And then, because immediately, if we want to, the thing that keeps the lights on is money, right? So uh, unfortunately, what, yeah. what isn't directly, what isn't directly supporting bringing money in. And then as you start looking at those activities that are actually working, drop the ones that don't, and then go to the ones that are working and say, which ones do I have to do? Cause at first it's going to be stuff that you have to do, but at first it's yeah. going to be some things that you can probably outsource. Okay. I don't need to do that. I don't need to do that. I don't right. need to do that. I like that still that. needs to be done, but I don't have to do it. I don't have to do it. Yeah. People feel as numbers, they got to do everything, right? I mean, they're just like, yeah. oh, I, can, I have to do that. Oh, it's easier if I just do it. Nah, probably not. Probably not. No. And you're probably not even doing the best. I mean, one of right. the things I see yeah. as well is people from a place of scarcity and fear of not having the resources to pay people try and do everything themselves. And actually, I, I heard this first from my sister, uh, but I don't remember where she heard it, but she said, if you haven't got enough time to do it twice, you haven't got enough time to keep getting it wrong. So take the time to just get it done properly the first time. Right. You have to take it half the time. <laughs> right? And no. that might mean giving it to somebody else. And so, you know, a great m- misconception is it's more expensive to hire people. Actually, probably more expensive for you to be wasting time learning to do something. Correct. And your what I always encourage valuable. people to do, work out how much your time is worth. If you, are work, if you look at how much 
you optimally working, how much you are worth an hour in terms of the, the, the revenue that comes into your business based on your direct interaction, you'll get right. a price per hour. And it's normally yeah. a lot higher than you think it is. And then you just make sure anything that I can hire someone else to do that's less than that. Yeah, don't do $20 else. an hour work when you should be don't doing do $200 an hour work. Exactly. And then yeah. guess what? If you're getting rid of all the $20 an hour work, you've got more hours to go and make those $200. Right. Absolutely. And also you get the scale and leverage of more things being done in the same period of time. So I've got yeah. about 20 something members in our team that do different activities. And I like to specialize people into specific activities. Yeah. And that means that every hour I have the potential for 20 hours of work being done. Right. That means I can get 20, things, 20 times the things done in a week. Right. And it doesn't cost you 20 times your time. Not even now. There's absolutely and actually not. there's a scale and leverage of revenue if you're directly making sure that everything that you are paying paying people to do is leading specifically into generating revenue for the business or supporting people that we're already serving so that they become rock star clients of ours that want to be rock star supporters of ours that want to go and tell other people about the work that we do. And I right. do that with all my businesses. Yeah, I can't tell you how many business plans I review. So I, somebody comes to me, they have a business idea, local, small, whatever. I go, all right, well, you got to do the work, right? You got to write mm-hmm. a business plan. It doesn't have to be something out of, you know, the university with graphs and charts. It can be one page if you want, yeah. but you got to work through those issues. And then they come back to me and they have people that need to work in the business. I go, well, where are you? Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to make money on the business. I go, yeah, but if you don't account for yourself and your time, Mm-hmm. You can never replace yourself because the business can't support to pay you. There's going to be no profits. You got to mm-hmm. figure out how much you're going to pay yourself and how much you can pay the person that you replace yourself with, mm-hmm. or you're never going to get. And then, like you said, you're just employed by a business you also happen to own, and exactly. it's and it's a miserable existence. And people miss that. Like maybe there is no profit in the business that you're trying to create, and Which you don't realize sometimes. it. Right. Happens sometimes. Right. And, you know, there's so many times when, you know, people have come to me with a model. They've come to me with a problem that they want to solve. And my sister even did this the right. other day. Her and her friend, they had what sounded like to them like a genius idea. But, you know, yeah. we spent five minutes pulling it apart. She's like, yeah, this isn't a very good business idea. Okay. I see those all the time, right? Because you give advice. So people want to, Daniel, I have this great idea. We're going to do this and this. And you're like, well, how are you going to do that? And, you know, you, do you know you need to have a special license to do <laughs> I tell people that all the time as a lawyer, um, you can't just be making food out of your house. Like there's board of health that don't, let you, <laughs> oh, you're going to need a commercial kitchen for that. And it might work, but, oh yeah, that's too much work. I don't want to do that. You know, yeah. like it's, it's just but crazy. I, I, do you know what's great about that, Mitch, as well, is that that converse, those conversations will, t- will see who really, really wants it. Yeah. Because for someone Correct. to say, I need a commercial kitchen. Well, have you gone to see what the options are for you to maybe rent out a commercial kitchen space? Yeah. Right. Or to partner with someone who's already got a commercial kitchen. Yeah. And maybe actually you can save more time by having them and their team do the work and so on and so forth and you focus on your skills. But the person is like, oh, it's going to be a bit of work. Oh, I'm not going to do it. Maybe you should stay in the job then. Exactly. I have a friend who um, she has a business that's a basically a um, not farm to table. They, they deliver like they take in, um, you know, um, from the farmers, right? Local yeah. grown and stuff. And then they put together these boxes, fresh boxes, whatever. Oh, yeah, and it's a delivery too. service, right? Yeah. So Amazing. she started this thing out. She asked me for some advice. I said, you know, you better make sure you can do this like out of your house to start. You don't have a warehouse, whatever. And she was able to do it as long as they weren't cooking there, yeah. you know, they're mm-hmm. packaging and stuff. Now they have a whole, f- I mean, they've grown the business like, th- and she's relentless, right? And mm-hmm. she was just in love with helping the local farmers. They eventually mm-hmm. bought their own land. I think they do farming too. Amazing. But And during pandemic, forget it. The business went through the roof because everybody's home. They wanted to, 
you know, they couldn't, th- there were no restaurants buying from these farms. <laughs> so there was an abundance of stuff for her to yeah. sell. Her business has been out of control, but, you know, she took the time to figure out all of the issues because she's dealing with food mm. and, you know, sending it to people's homes and things like that. But it, she knew it could be done. It was just a question of how to do it. And other people have mm. tried. And like you said, they just don't want to do the thing. I, this is what somebody told me this a long time ago. Successful people, this must have come from like a speech that was given a hundred years ago and somebody yeah. passed it up. Successful people do the things that unsuccessful people are unwilling to do, not unable in most cases, but unwilling to just do. unwilling to do, you know, and mm-hmm. it, you're right. It does take the right personnel. Maybe you should mm-hmm. just get a job. We all need employees. So, yeah. And, and there's no shame in that. And, and I think <laughs> when you, when you take the shame factor out of it and realize that, being an entrepreneur is not going to be an easy road for you. It's going to be a harder road. You've the got to deal with people. You've got to deal with hard. stuff. Yeah. You've got to deal with like, you got to love it. It's hard work. There's problem solving all the time. Like, especially for people that have got multiple things. Like I've sometimes I can have like four or five problems that kick off on the day that have to be met. Of course. With solutions. Right. Um, and, and you have to be ready to do that. Um, yeah. And have the, the team and the support to be able to do so. Yeah. Well, that's why I think a lot of your system helps because you got to stay on track. Like if you have, like you said, you you figured out the things that you should be doing and not mm-hmm. doing, and then the fires happen. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to stand track, get the things done you want to get done, and still kind of deal with the fires, or else yeah. you just the end of the week you'll be like, oh my god, I did nothing. Exactly. You know, I got nothing done this week. I can't as a lawyer. I, I you know, you hire me, mm-hmm. I got to get your work done, even if there are fires that come up in emergencies and everything like that. You know, exactly, exactly, exactly. So what's um what's on the slate? Next, what do, what do you what do you got coming up? You got something coming up? You said in Mexico or something? Yeah, but that that we got that one, but we, we sold that. I was a private. It's kind of like we, we only invited people that have been to retreats of ours before because I'm got potentially it, yeah, doing this new book, so I'm going to be doing that the material from the new book at that retreat. Uh, it's in October. I've got What's a lot of fun the stuff. theme of the book? It's uh, based on. I can't really go into details, details, details because oh, yeah. we're still getting the proposal together <laughs> with, with the publisher right now. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 to do with the subjective nature of reality. Um, okay. And using scientific research. So I recorded a documentary last year, filmed a documentary, which we're just doing the, the final edits and the, 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 the score for right now. We've signed it with Amazon to get that out. And with that nice. one, I interviewed scientists and we, we, we basically scientifically interrogated the concept of manifestation. And so I'm very, very hot on things having a tangible use like it has to be something's real it can it can it can right. stand up to interrogation and so we interrogated this whole manifestation thing that everyone's talking about and like power and positive look, thinking the yeah, power positive thinking, yeah all of that kind of stuff i was like yeah. where's the science that sits behind this in terms yeah of the brain? i love it yeah of but course. not like general science but like us like me as an individual my brain what's happening my mind and we've got a tenured neuroscientist we've got a, a neuromedical biochemist we've got one of the scientists that worked on the mri machine who who knows brains inside and out and we've really looked at the brain and at that as the tool that we're using to manifest stuff and, and whether it's real or not. And so we're, we're taking that, we're going into the subjective nature of reality and some other really cool stuff that I can't really, the, ex, the spicy bit I can't really talk about. But Yeah, no, when, when is that going to come out, you think? Uh, because it's going to be on the Maybe publisher. It's probably going to be two or three years. But um, That's yeah, the probably, book. But what about yeah. the documentary? Is that available? Well, the documentary Do- will be any time in the next quarter, probably over okay. the summer. We've only cool. got, I mean, we signed, the, we signed the, the distribution deal already. It's just the score to finish in the last bit of editing. So it's at the last um, minute, right? Yeah. So like at some point over the summer, I would like to think that by August we've got it out. We did want to get it done the first quarter of the year, uh, but we had a few delays with our um, our editing team because they're working on another project. But I'd like to say that by August we should have that out be on Amazon. 
Cool. Well, definitely keep me on your mailing list. I'll put it out to all of our listeners and say, hey, Daniel was on. And yeah, actually, by the time this episode comes out, it probably will be out. So (laughs) okay, brilliant, brilliant. We'll keep show notes at that point. (laughs) Hey, you can get you can watch it. Right. Exactly. Um, All right. Where were we? What were we talking about? I I, I love all this stuff because I I am a big believer that, you know, it is power of positive thinking is because it does there is chemical things that go on in your brain when you're yeah. positive versus negative. There's no question mm-hmm. about it. So as I see it all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what the, what the video does. So, so how can, first of all, in terms of people out there listening, right? If they mm-hmm. want to interact with your company, mm-hmm. with the whole system of, I don't know, signing up and listening, how do they do that? Where in terms Dream of with Dan.com, I like to keep it really simple. Um, Dream with Dan.com. You can see, Easy. Um, I've got my podcast links there. I write for Entrepreneur Magazine. You can find, you know, my articles there, or you can, in fact, if you go, you learn about your events there too. Yeah, you can learn about events and virtual stuff that we'll be doing. You can hop on the mailing list. We've got a free resources page. You can track me on social media. All of that's on my website. But dreamwithdan.com, really easy to remember, and everything's on there. And what you mentioned, there's a, a subscription service, like $100 yeah. a month. What, what do they get for that? For- AbundanceUniversity.com. Um, every single program that I've done pretty much is available on there. Um, starts at $97 a month. We've got a higher level that comes with the group coaching. I think we've got one or two sessions a week of group coaching you can go in on. And, um, and yeah, so everything to do with mindset, abundance. Uh, my earlier programs like Micro to Millions, it takes you from zero to a million in 14 steps following our very uh, signature um, step-by-step program, stuff that we've created around Money DNA, which helps entrepreneurs dial in to their natural flow of abundance. Um, really cool stuff on there, lots and lots. And I'm adding to it all the time as well. When, so the, the reason why I started AbundanceUniversity.com really mm-hmm. was A, as we focused as a business more on the higher ticket stuff, I wanted mm-hmm. accessible material that people can actually get something from, number one. Right, right. Um, Personal development businesses, they don't really work on low ticket stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> and for the team that I have. But those are the people that need the help the most, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, but, you know, my, my, but the team that I've got that enables me to pump out content on every single platform pretty much every day, I can't do that selling $100 programs. Right. It, it doesn't make sense. You've got acquire, client, client. So we stick with the high ticket stuff, but then we've got this, which we don't really do from a profiting perspective. It is really just there to help people. But it doesn't really work unless you're exchanging some value and so we've got that there available. Right. But um, I sometimes have ideas for programs. I've got a 30-day program I'm working on at the moment I'm really excited about, um, 30 Days to Abundance, and I'll make it available on the platform. So rather than needing to go out and do a whole new marketing campaign or any right. other things, I can just chuck it on the platform. So, yeah, and, also, a little bit. and the other thing as well is that I'm, I'm a member of Jack Canfield's Transformational Leadership Council sure. and a few other really cool communities. And over this summer, he's, a, he's been, a chicken soup guy, right? Yeah, chicken soup guy. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's a really, really cool cat. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm part of a few really cool communities with amazing thought leaders of you know the highest caliber. And we're doing some negotiations right now to get some of them to drop some of their entry level programs into the membership as well. And so we're going to have not just my material, but other people's material that you can use to improve your life for just a hundred bucks a month. Very good. All right. Well, people should definitely check it out. We'll put links in the show notes. What about also the podcast that you host? What's uh, going on with that? Yeah. So we've got uh, Do It With Dan, which is kind of like me having cool conversations like this with interesting people. I just have fun with that. And then Beyond Success is really catered towards entrepreneurs. So Mm -hmm. it's really based around my money DNA work and really helping people to be more abundant in their business. So we do have we have had a lot of guests. We're not doing so many at the moment. Um, just really core material to get people into a space of abundance with what they're creating in their business. And that's on Amazon, yeah, Google, Apple, all the platforms. But again, on the website, click podcast at the it's top. All there. The yeah, mine yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, you have to have an organization. You're so busy. You got so much stuff going on. <laughs> really, you can never get to the level on your own just cranking out Thank videos. It's and just and the thing as well is, I mean, I mean, I, we're doing this one on a Friday. Ordinarily, I only work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. This is the only work that I've done. That's today. a nice life. Yeah, it's a Friday. Four day weekend. Self-care. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Friday, I normally do self care. Like I head up to the spa. I'm, right. I'm going tomorrow instead. Today, I just kind of hung out. Um, and then Mondays, I do a lot of personal development. I'll do more reading. I'll do courses. I'll catch up with people that I'm being coached by on a Monday. And then I work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. Now, look, your week is a choice, right? Mm-hmm. I, I only really do the podcasting on Friday. I used to be all over the map. People be, can you talk to me here? Can you talk? I don't do that. Mondays, I do the same thing. I do marketing. I do bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. I, I keep it open. There's always somebody who needs me. But yeah, yeah. I, why can't you control your calendar? It's a, Exactly. So I'm sorry, I'm not available, That's man. Right. I do it this way, but I appreciate coming on, making time for me. And you know, uh, I didn't realize that was that was really excited. We I enjoyed our, our initial calls. Like, yeah, let's do it on the Friday. So yeah, so. all right, cool. Yeah. All right, well, Dan, I can't thank you enough for spending time with me and sharing thank your you. ideas. And I hope the people will, you know, definitely reach out uh, to you because you know you got to change the world one person at a time. I think, right? Yeah, and have fun doing it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Accidental Entrepreneur. Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and Made to Order Music. For information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at The Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at beinackerlaw.com. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.